Maybe then you can see me and I can see you Maybe then we'll come together as a people Tired of the pain cause it ain't new Let's come together as a people Even if we don't share the same view Welcome to the Jesus and Everything Foundation podcast. On this show, we look at all problems affecting the world and we discuss how we can solve them using the character of Jesus, unity, and decentralization of resources available to us. The character of Jesus, or as I like to call them, the Jesus character principles, are principles that whether you are a Christian or not, we can all agree on these principles. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. For every episode, we discuss a problem topic from our category list. You can find this list on the Foundation's website, jaef.foundation. We ask ourselves and listeners, what is the goal? What is the vision for this problem category? What are the potential solutions? What are the obstacles? What resources do we need? And what resources do we have? But most importantly, do these solutions and resources pass the character test, the nine Jesus character principles? If yes, then we move on to collaboration. What does this look like? This show is a platform to get the ball rolling on as many problems affecting the world as we can. We want to go beyond just talking about problems. So after the show, we collaborate by acting. First, we open the discussion floor to our listeners. Then we decentralize and open source all of our resources from brain power, manpower, utilities to capital. Before every episode, I like to ask our viewers and listeners, do you ever ask yourself, where are we going? Where is this world going? Time keeps on ticking, the day ends, a new dawn arises, and life goes on. But what is our destination? Do we have any global objectives that unite us when it comes to things like food, security, healthcare, education, or standard of living? It's a fair question to ask. If you work for a company or work for yourself, you have a general idea about your company's vision. Goal. So what is our goal, our overarching vision as the current residents of this planet? What role is your company, your city, your country playing in the big picture? And what role are you who's listening to this playing in this big picture?
Welcome to this series called Quantum Faith Meets Quantum Physics. It's under our Curious Corner category. You can find the full list of topics we shall cover under this category on our website, jf.foundation. That is jaef.foundation. I'm excited about this series. We are going to be talking about probably two of the most important unseen realms, and yet they are the focal point of our being and existence. And we are going to explore how these two unseen realms affect each other to move the things that we see with our natural eyes. I think this is going to be epic. The first one is the quantum faith realm, a conduit for the spirit realm. The second is the quantum physics realm. Now, we're all familiar with the word physics, and I'm going to assume that at some point during your school life, you studied about physics. Now, lucky for you, there won't be any take-home assignments after listening to this podcast. Anyways, we all know that our natural world, or this physical world that we live in, is governed by natural law. That is, laws of physics, like the law of gravity, or the law of lift that enables you to fly across the world and so forth. Now, there is an interesting subject within physics that has emerged. It's called quantum physics or quantum mechanics. And it has turned the whole physics world on its head. It has turned the whole physics world upside down. Why is that so? Because it operates contrary to the laws of classical physics that we have grown accustomed to. What makes quantum physics really interesting is that it operates very similar to how things operate in the spirit realm, that is, in the kingdom of God. What do we know? Turns out Jesus' miracles, such as walking on water, weren't just myths and fables. So we are going to explore these two realms and see how they feed off of each other because our lives are directly affected by each one of them. Now, if you've listened to one of our series called Science is God's Playground, you've probably heard me make this statement. There are two realms, the spirit realm and the natural realm. The spirit realm is cause and the natural realm is effects, hence cause and effects. So, in this series, we are going to connect the main force in the spirit realm called faith or quantum faith and its cousin from the unseen physics world called quantum or quantum physics. This will show us how this notion of cause and effects comes into play, how the physical world runs on top of the spirit realm and how they are always constantly interacting with each other. We're talking about something you can't possibly see, but it is what makes up everything in the universe. I mean, can you explain photons to me? Do you see photons in the room? Do you see photons when you go outside? Those are subatomic particles of light. 
And yet these things are everyday life in sunlight. Everything we see that's light is made up of the quantum realm. And when you look at a table and it looks solid, you're gonna put a book on it or your cup of coffee on it, it looks solid, but it's really not solid. There's space between the atoms. There's space between the, the nucleus of the atom and the electrons. So if you could really see on the quantum level, you would see that that table is not at all solid. And secondly, and most exciting, is you would see that it's moving. That table is not sitting still. It's moving. There's a vibration of particles, and that is the quantum world, and we interact with it every day. Well, everything God created is full of life. Everything God created is full of life. How could he create anything that is not full of life? So just as I talked about the tabletop, if you could see on the quantum level, it's not dead, it's not static. There's a vibrating frequency there. There's movement, there's life there. And so here we are, we're alive. I think you'd acknowledge that. And we are interacting with everything in this world that is also alive. It is full of life. And so our relationship with all the things in the world that are alive are determined by what we say about it, what we think about it, our perception of it. And so we are life interacting with all of God's creation that's full of life. There's a parallel plane in the realm of the spirit. The spirit world is the unseen world, what we can't see. And yet everything we do see was created from the unseen realm. There was nothing seen when God said, let there be light. There was nothing, there was not light. God is a spirit. So he spoke spirit words and spirit words created matter. It formed the world, it formed the hills, the mountains, it formed everything we see here in life. All matter is created by the spirit realm. And in the realm of the spirit, you know, we, we talk about angels, we can't see them. And yet in a parallel plane, they are there, they are operating. In one famous incident in the Old Testament, the prophet asked that the eyes of his servant be opened. And he saw that there were horses and chariots and angels everywhere. So if our eyes were open right now, we could see in the realm of the spirit and see angels and spirit beings, horses, whatever that God has created there. And yet we can't see it with our physical eye. The spirit realm operates on a different frequency and we have no instrument in our physical body to see into that realm unless God opens our eyes through a gift of the Spirit and then we're enabled to see into that invisible realm that is real exists and guess what the spirit realm will never perish it will never die God created man and woman and what in his image and in his likeness to do what to have authority over the earth, to have dominion over the earth, to rule and reign, how? In the same way God created it, through their words. Where I'm folding pen and ice, I gaze about the sky, I can see the stars align, the thought that crosses my mind.
scientists saying, well, there's only, in this realm, there's only possibilities and probabilities. What does that sound like? Jesus said, all things are possible to them that believe. The infinite possibilities based on your belief, on your words, on your intent, that subatomic particle knowing the intent, what they're measuring, they're gonna measure the energy of it or the position of it or the, how does it know what they're looking for? It responds to the observer and all of life, everything in this life responds to us individually in the same manner. Tuning in to the pre-show. Welcome back to episode two of Quantum Faith Meets Quantum Physics. Personally, this series means a lot to me. You know how some people grow up and wish Santa Claus could be a real thing? Mine wasn't Santa Claus. Mine was a wish that there was a connection between the things I was studying in school and my faith. I went to college for engineering, so physics and science were part of my daily academic diet. And you spent thousands of hours, long nights, sleepless nights, and deep down I always wished that just maybe these subjects that I'd spent all this time and pretty much most of my 20s, that this knowledge would bring about more than just a paycheck. Everyone that has gone through college knows this. It requires dedication, it's a sacrifice, and you always wish that, my goodness, I hope this pays for something. So I respect people who go to undergrad and postgrad and doctorate, but for me, I just felt like I'd exercised all my sacrifice in regards to school. Ironically, I enjoy learning new things at my pace, but I hate the context of school. It's never been a free-flowing environment and it's not easily transferable to the real world. School should teach us about the real world. But if after spending all the time of dedication and sacrifice and sleepless nights, you come out and now they, they hand you a big textbook. It's a new big textbook. It's called Welcome to the Real World. And it just feels that all those years were just a waste of time. But um, most people right now are dealing with problems in their day-to-day -day lives that school hasn't taught them anything about. Now they just have to learn on the fly as, as they try to deal with these problems. Anyways, that's a topic for another day. We're talking about quantum faith meets quantum physics. So... On a personal connection, my hope was always that physics and, and, and all these classes that I was taking would bring some sort of light to my deepest curiosities about life and the meaning of life. And it always seemed that the reasoning in the scientific world that I spent thousands of hours immersed in would never connect with the reasoning in my faith, you know, in my walk with God, which for me, carried more purpose, so projected more purpose and meaning in the long run. 
listen, you don't have to be a doctor, lawyer, rocket scientist, teacher, pilot, whatever profession you hold, there's one question that every single person has, whether they believe in God or not. One, one question, and it's two cousins. The first one is, why am I here? And then, where did we come from? You know, how did we get here? And then, what happens after here? Where do I go when I die? And I believe these questions pretty much guide all of our lives here on Earth. So for me, going through this series to discover connection between things that we study in about our environment or maybe things that school has taught us and seeing that there's actually a connection between those things and the things that have deeper meanings in life, like why am I here? Where did we come from? And what happens after here? It's, I think it's something that everyone should be excited about. It's something that we should all look forward to, you know, having that understanding of the connection, the bridge between these two realms, these two worlds, you know, the, the faith realm, the quantum faith realm, and then quantum physics, you know, physics and the laws of physics, which govern how we pretty much deal with this natural physical environment. Everybody deals with this stuff every day. The answers that we have to those three questions, why am I here? Where did I come from? What happens after here? Become our ideology. They become us. What we believe the answer is to each of those questions becomes the guiding coordinates of every single thing, every decision, every action we take. We become our belief system. Our parent belief system is centered around those three questions. Now, of course, the little decisions we make and the actions we take eventually build our subconscious and we do things on autopilot. But if you were to unpack that subconscious, you would see that it has tuned, it was tuned to the belief you have around those three questions. Why am I here? Where did we come from? What happens after here? Where do I go when I die? So on, on like a side tangent, I, I'm not surprised. I'm not shocked when I hear of a billionaire spending their fortune on space exploration instead of solving world hunger, as people like to commonly contrast these two priorities. And it, it, it's hard to debate such questions in a ruckus on social media because people already made up their minds on an option they will stand behind. But I like to unpack things. I like to ask, why is so-and-so thinking like that? Why does so-and-so seem to think very contrary to how I think? I like to get to the root reason or root problem. So in a most recent uh, news, I guess news kind of like breaking news in recently on the news cycle. We all know that Elon Musk, you know, decided to to buy Twitter, you know, spend a whole you know about $44 billion making that decision. And a lot of people saying, well, the World Organize uh, the World Health Organization provided you with a plan on how you can solve world hunger. Um, he had apparently asked them say, if you give me a if you give me a plan on how to solve world hunger, I will invest money in there. So, you know, there's been backlash and why would someone go ahead and do that? Well, they gave you a plan, you didn't follow through. And now here you go spending $44 billion on a social media platform. 
Um, and well, let's look at this. So let's unpack why would someone or a group of individuals with such a net worth, you know, over $200 billion, over $100 billion, over $50 billion, why would they not call for a billionaire's meeting one weekend and each of them put money to the pot and solve a problem like wild hunger? Well, that's not how this works. People are driven by belief systems. We move according to our belief systems. And the higher the stakes, the higher my decision is heavily influenced by my belief system. People buy with emotions and justify with reasoning or logic. You don't make high-stake decisions with reasoning because there's a point when reasoning goes out the window, when the X's and O's say, don't do it, but your heart says you should do it. When you marry someone, all the reasons could say you should marry someone else. You know, they'll be a better fit for you. They're better at managing money. They're better at this and this and this. But you still, you, you, you don't make a head decision. It, it's primarily a heart decision. So when the stakes are high, when someone decides to put $44 billion on the table to buy a social media platform and not towards world hunger, it's because that decision has crossed over into this is a heart decision territory. Then the question becomes, why is their heart pointing them towards this decision? You see, a lot of people would stop at scrutinizing, well, they did this. But I like to go under the surface. I like to ask, why would someone make such a decision? So the first thing is, you might throw stones at Elon about spending $44 billion on, on purchasing Twitter. But there's probably been over 100 other billions, 100 other one. There's probably been a hundred other 44 to probably a hundred billion dollar transactions, such decision-making transactions that have gone towards other things just because the news isn't talking about them, just because we do not know about them doesn't mean that we don't have someone else who's, who's just spent $50 billion towards space exploration or the metaverse or a personal project, you know, you just don't know that. These, the, when you look at how money moves, these $44 billion worth of money times 10 that has gone into decisions that are not geared towards solving wild hunger. That's the point that I'm trying to make here. So for me, I like to dive into the question, why would someone make such a decision? Remember said that our lives tend to be driven by our belief system, which is based on, or it is tethered to the answers that we think we have, or the answers that we believe to these three questions. Why am I here? Where did we come from? What happens after here? Where do I go when I die? So all of us are moving our life pieces with tethers attached to the belief system are built on top of the answers of these three questions. So why would someone spend money on rockets, space exploration? And pretty much right now, a lot of capital is going towards futuristic innovations and technologies and not wild hunger. You see, mankind at his core is an explorer. And why? 
Because there is unanswered question. There is an unanswered question in our DNS system. And it points back to those three questions. Why am I here? Where did I come from? What happens after I leave this planet? So the questions that keep Elon Musk up or Jeff Bezos or any other billionaire up at night isn't solving wild hunger, unfortunately. Now, I'm sure this is a concern or it could be a concern, but there's a deeper concern. And that concern is finding out the true meaning of life. Again, back to those three questions. Now, to some people, this might cross their minds, but it's not the focal point. You know, they have resolved to just go on with the flow. To other people who see it as the focal point of existence, finding out the meaning of life, the true meaning of life. People who make every decision through this lens, they will spend every last dollar just to get a satisfactory answer to those questions, to those three questions. And ironically, they will starve trying to find this answer. If you have any background on Elon Musk's journey, you know that before he started his uh, SpaceX company, uh, the company that's building rockets to, to, to the moon and Mars, he had amassed a fortune of, of about $200 million from selling PayPal. Now, there's about six of them. And when they sold PayPal, his cut was about $200 million. Now, most people in this world would end the game. They would say, it's been a fun ride. I've gotten these millions of dollars and I'm going to just diversify into some investments. You know, I'm going to do some real estate. I'm going to invest in stocks and that's it. But this guy is not, he was thinking, well, of course he was thinking differently, but I believe it's because of some under, underlying questions that he's trying to find answers to. So this guy goes and puts his whole chunk into a space company, space exploration, without any projection of profits, without any guarantee that he would make any money from it. You can see he made this decision without reasoning, you would say. It was a hard decision because reasoning would point to, hey, you just received $200 million. The best thing to do is invest it in something that's at least going to guarantee you some return sometime soon. But it was a hard decision tethered to his belief system about those three questions. Now, the story is SpaceX, the company in which he put all his $200 million into, had probably three or two failed launch attempts. And they had one more attempt remaining that had used up the remaining, the remaining $200 million. Now, if that last attempt didn't work, he wouldn't be here today because that last attempt is what got them a funding deal of about $1 billion with NASA. So if, if the last SpaceX, uh, SpaceX rocket launch failed, Elon Musk would have literally burned up $200 million in cash. Literally. Because every time those rockets got off the ground in the first three attempts, they would blow up in flames. Now, what made him do that? What made him to do that? Again, it's those unanswered questions in his DNA. Why am I here? Where did we come from? What happens after here? Those are some of the questions that would also keep me up at night when I'll be in engineering school. And for some reason, it seemed that the reasoning that I was being taught in engineering school just didn't sink, didn't see eye to eye with the reasoning of how 
to do life from like God's point of view, from my faith, you know, believing in God is, 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 is the belief system when you believe in God and how to approach life is, is very different from, uh, some of the things that science would say, but I was just ignorant. I didn't actually know that there was a connection and that these two worlds were actually connected because one of them is a physical world. The other one is a spiritual world and the spirit world gave birth to the physical realm. So we're kind of trying to see by discovering in this series, how this actually works, like the bridge between the two worlds, the connection. So, this, this is not the first time that uh, we're seeing someone else put money towards uh, something that is not solving wild hunger, something that might be contrary, contrary to your belief system. Again, it's because we are driven by our belief system. And sometimes we think that that's not the case, but it's because we've spent the last so years of our existence following those decisions built an I believe system that has become our subconscious. So we now run an autopilot. So, you know, people with terminal illness who have been given a certain time to leave make totally different decisions from those who don't have this caveat. It's, this is an amazing, it's an amazing fact, but we don't harness it. Even people, even in the context of Christianity, people who believe that these are the end times, and that Jesus is coming back soon, they live totally different lives from those who believe that Jesus won't be back for another thousand years. Again, it's belief system. Pictures and words and what we believe about them shape our entire existence. They do. So quantum physics is discovering what the Bible, the word of God has always said to be true. I still wouldn't have hang up my belief system in the existence of God, uh, Jesus walking the earth, eternal life, miracles, signs and wonders, and all of that. But personally, it's mentally comforting. And I know for a lot of other people to know that, yes, there are some explanations from this physical world, from this natural realm that points to all of the above. I mean, even people who are agnostic, people who are like, um, I believe there is a higher power that I totally don't believe that everything just all of a sudden just came out of, you know, people who believe that there's reason and meaning to everything that we see on this planet. I think this is comforting for them. And it's just a mental comfort. Again, I said I wouldn't have given up on my belief system, but it's it's a mental comfort for people to be like, you know what? I wasn't crazy in believing that there's something beyond this life that I see or because now quantum physics is discovering that that's the case. Quantum physics is discovering that that is the case. So I'm a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and I also have a scientific background. So for me, it's, it's a different feeling because throughout college and studying all these scientific things deep down, I'd always wanted my academic life to be tied to my core beliefs, you know, about why I'm here, where did I come from? Because you spend a lot of time immersed in this stuff. And to start seeing that come to life, come to the surface, 
this is what is making this series really, really exciting for me. So quantum faith meets quantum physics is bringing things full circle for me. And I hope it does for you. Now, on the last episodes, on the last episode as well, we had gone through some interesting definitions about quantum faith. And we say, to know what quantum faith is, we needed to know what the definition of faith is and what the whole faith realm is. And, and, and this definition of faith, then we would get a better understanding of what quantum faith is. And just to recap, faith is a substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen. And through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. But there was another translation. Again, this is from Hebrews chapter 11. And I love these definitions because they provide more, they just provide more explanation. And one of them says, faith is the assurance. It's the title deed. It's the confirmation of things hoped for, things that are divinely guaranteed and the evidence of things that we do not see, the conviction of their reality. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. So this faith thing comprehends as fact which you can never will not be able to see with your physical senses and what's interesting that it's approaching this from the spirit realm but when you look at quantum physics it's saying that you will not be able to see certain things with your natural eyes but if you drill down and drill down and drill down as if you keep zooming in and zooming in to the a hundredth power, more than the tenth power, that you start to get to a level where you start to see things that you did not, you, you start to, you're able to observe certain things that you could not see with your natural eyes. Certain things have to come into existence, but it depends on the level, on the frequency. If you're not able to get down at that frequency, at their existence, you cannot see them. So that's what faith is telling us, this definition, that by faith, that is with uninherent trust and enduring confidence in the power, wisdom, and goodness of God, we understand that the worlds, the universe, the ages were framed and created. They were formed. They were put in order and equipped for their intended purpose by the word of God so that what is seen what we see right now with our natural eyes was not made of things which are visible. So they came from another realm. Now that takes a lot of to really, I've, I've read this so many times and sometimes my mind, my logical mind goes, that is still impossible. So the, sometimes the best way to understand certain things is to 
I always like to use this. Uh, I always like to use this approach. If I can't understand some, if I'm having a hard time to understand something from a macro level, I always say, okay, can I find an example at a micro level? So if you can't find, if you can't understand something from like way up, out here or up here, you kind of want to find like a, basically try to go down to the fundamentals. So that might kind of give you some understanding. And I don't know why it's like that, but usually if things work at a fundamental level, chances are that they will work in a very complex, like once you put complex systems on top of like fundamental principles. But also sometimes if you are too narrow-minded, you just might not be able to understand how something happens. So sometimes you have to think outside the box to be able to understand something that is inside the box. Hmm, that's interesting. So let's read, let's take these definitions and let's really see how things could have come out of that invisible realm and started putting things creating them in the physical realm. Remember, it's not that those things didn't exist. It's just that those things existed in another form. You just couldn't see this world that we see came out of a world that we cannot see with our natural eyes. Our natural eyes don't have the ability to see into that spiritual frequency. But before I convince you that that's even possible, let's first look at a case study here. Let's look at an example and see, because what we know is that God spoke the world into existence. Now, someone is like, okay, here we go again with this whole, God said, let there be. Now, is it possible that words can shape or bring about into existence physical matter. Can your words shape physical matter? That we can change things with our words, that words and faith affect things. Now, this, um, this table uh, looks solid. It absolutely looks solid. It is a thing. It looks solid. But when you get down to the quantum level of it, there are atoms, there are electrons going around the atoms. There is movement in this table, in the actual makeup of the table. That means that it can change forms. If it was burned, it would become energy. Energy becomes uh, matter. Matter becomes energy. But the Bible tells us that we can affect matter because uh, Mark 11:23 says, For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe. Remember, Jesus said, All things are possible to him that believeth. But shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. 
Now, he said, what so, that if you say to this mountain, which is an object, be removed and be cast into the sea, and you believe and doubt not in your heart, that whatever you say, if you believe it, it will come to pass. Now, it may not happen instantly, but it will happen because our words and our faith affect things down to the microscopic level, down to every part of the atomic structure. That's why things will respond to faith. The interesting thing about quantum physics, and those of you who are really freaking out saying, I can't possibly understand this, you can. If you can understand some of the Bible teaching, you can understand what I'm about to say. And that is the thing that uh, physicists have determined is when they began to look at, if you've seen a, a drawing of an atom with all the little um, orbits of the electrons around the nucleus, and there's a little dot there that looks like a particle, these physicists began to study the particles. But then they determined that, well, you know, they don't really act like particles sometimes. So they came up with what they call wave-particle duality. And what that means is that, and listen very carefully, that actually the particle there exists in a wave state, which means that that electron, that little particle, is not right there until they look at it. That means it exists everywhere at once in a realm of all possibilities. Does that sound familiar? Sounds all familiar. things are possible, only believe. So that electron in its wave state is everywhere at once like a cloud. But once the observer or the physicist looks at that to measure it, it either collapses and becomes a particle or it only has one location. So now what that means to me about faith is that we have an effect on everything around us, including the waves, including the water, including everything we believe, everything we observe and look at, we affect by our belief or our faith. And so Peter, when he believed he could walk on the water, he looked at that, he saw the possibility, he entered into it. But then fear, which is a lower force, brought him back into the classical laws of physics, and he began to sink. So, you know, getting away from just talking about matter and things, we actually do produce energy of faith, an actual energy of faith that draws the things to us that we speak. Jesus went around talking to trees. He talked to the wind, he talked to the waves. Now what he said to the wind and the waves was, peace, be still. Jesus didn't overcome the forces of nature with sheer force, but by communication and relationship too. Peace, be still. What do you need when there's a storm in your life? Peace. What do you need when the winds and the waves are about to overturn your boat in a lake? Peace, be still. He called the end result. He spoke to the tree that didn't produce fruit. He said, no man will eat fruit of you ever. And the next day they came by and it was dried up from the roots. And the disciples were shocked. Jesus, look, the fig tree that you spoke to, it's dead, dried up from the roots. The power in your faith can change the matter in your life. It's really, really important that we act on what we know and that we use it. When you hear this message, you find out that your words are powerful. It is 
very important that you stop saying the negative things. And then you start speaking in the right direction and start saying the things that are in line with what God's promises are and what God says. This was episode two of this series called Quantum Faith Meets Quantum Physics. In the next episode, we'll continue building the relationship between quantum faith and quantum physics. Your host for today was Calvin Cavanda. Thanks for listening and see you on the next episode. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For God calls those things which do not be, He calls them real, cause they're real. You see, I didn't write this, the evidence is in the world.